Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. I've always said that one thing is for sure, it's that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in the hope that it allows others to feel seen, to feel heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. I'm an empowerment coach, gender equality advocate, motivational speaker, and a goal-crushing boss. And this show is your guide to all things confidence, mindset, growth, and resilience, all in the spirit of helping you to embrace how enough you truly are. Myself and some incredible guests will be coming to you each week to drop some gems. The goal is to offer you the space in creating a vision that supports you in your relationships, creating work-life balance, and be more aligned with your truth. Our mission is to help you do all of this while embracing how enough you already are and embodying the essence of joy, abundance, and permission every step of the way. Consider me your personal coach through these episodes and think of me as your confidant, your ally, and most importantly, your sister friend. Are you ready? Let's get started. All right, we are back with another episode of Embracing Enough with your girl Dina, and I'm so so excited to have this amazing guest on the show today. I am joined here by Vasavi Kumar, who is so many things. <laughs> and I am so glad to hold space with her today to talk about the topics that she is unapologetically so much the go-to person on confidence, visibility, being seen, and what it really looks like to choose yourself and anchor into self-trust. And so I'm so excited to have this show and, and create space and have this conversation with Vasavi. Vasavi, how are you? I am doing great, Dina. How are you? Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you. I have so enjoyed getting to know you. And this happens to me kind of, not, I wouldn't say often, but often enough, where I will meet people and you are one of those people that I feel like I have known for a decade and we just met like a couple of months ago. I think that's, I, I, I'm, I feel that way about you. And I think that oftentimes that happens when people are out there and me being that person speaking about the things that maybe we're holding inside of us, we want to be saying, but maybe we're not saying it for a specific reason out of fear. Um, but you know, my job is to say the thing that I think most people are thinking. Um, so, and that way in doing that, I create the space for other people to be like, Hey, you know what? You get me, you see me. And that's probably why you feel that way. And I Absolutely. Feel back. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into it today. We're going to talk about a couple of things, but I think it all connects, right? It's the all too often pain point where people specifically here on embracing enough, we're, we're talking to women about this fear of truly being seen, of being visible and what that's about. And I think it really is intimately connected to why is it so hard to choose yourself? You know, I talk a lot about this 
conversation around the need to have external validation. So we're going to get all into it. But let's take a step back because embracing enough when we invite guests on, it's all about hearing women's stories because I think it, at our core, when we share our stories, it allows other people to feel seen, heard, and less alone. So why don't we kick it off there, Vasavi? Let us know who you are and what's your story. I love this question. It's such a big question. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask this is, well, which part of me do I want to share? That's the first thing, right? Because there's a part of me that you see on social media, right? The outspoken, self-expressed, confident on camera, helping others be self-expressed, confident on camera. There's that part of me. And that part is very valid and very authentic. There's the part of me that nobody sees, right? The private life that I have, the one that struggles with being insecure, um, that gets uh, deeply rejected, <laughs> that feels deeply rejected at times by certain people in her life, that has conversations with herself. And, and those conversations that I have with myself are so sacred, you know? And then there's a part of me that, you know, loves to go out and play and, and you know, have fun and play tennis. And so that's who I am. I'm all of those things. That's the thing. I, I never want to be like, oh, this is who I am. I'm this one, I'm just this one person. It's like, no, we are made up of so many different parts. It's actually called parts theory, right? I have so many different parts to me. And I think when you really get to know me, you'll, you'll see that, right? I'm not just like, oh, just this one version. There's so many different parts to us that we have to allow ourselves to explore, be curious about, and then share that with others if we feel safe enough to do that. Um, but just so your audience knows like, you know, where, where I've come from, uh, I'm, I'm a first generation Indian immigrant uh, woman. I was raised by my parents on Long Island, New York. I have an older sister. I'm a Taurus. Uh, I'm an Enneagram four. I'm an INFJ, um, which is funny. You would think that I was more extroverted, but I'm actually not an extrovert. And I'm an ENFJ. I would have never guessed that you were an INFJ. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Anyways, anyways, amazing. Yeah. I, I feed off of other people. Uh, I love the energy being around other people. I guess I'm more of an ambivert, uh, but I really like being alone. I really, really enjoy being by myself, and that's taken me a very long time to get here. Um, I'm also, you know, a recovering addict and alcoholic. I'm two years and four months sober as of two days ago. We're recording this on July 29th. July Congratulations. 27th, two years, four months. Thank you. Um, I'm also, you know, I, I grew up in a house that was very traditional, um, conservative in terms of, you know, how, what we presented to the world. Uh, our family motto growing up was, uh, have a united front, right? So no matter what was going on behind closed doors, we, you know, we never talked about that with anyone else. Like we would be going to family parties. My parents would have a huge fight in the car, but the minute we got, you know, to the family party or, you know, uh, friends function or party, everything was smiley. You know, we never talked about what was going on behind closed doors because that would be disloyal, right? That's kind of how we were raised. So all of that to say um, that who I am today is is a representation of everything that I've gone through. Um, on a professional front, I have a double master's. I have a master's in education, social work. I'm an Ivy Leaguer. I went to Columbia University. I'm very smart. I'm very good at school. I work very hard. But it, school also came very easy to me. Actually, it was actually very easy to me. I think the hardest thing for me um, has always been to be as honest with myself and with others. I never really had a hard time being honest with myself, Dina. It was mostly being honest with others because I never wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. 
And um, I'm saving all of this because I, I think what, you know, what I really want your audience to hear is that like, you're not just like the, the identity or the box that your family has set for you or that you, you created for yourself. There's so many different parts. And I think it's really important to explore all those parts of yourself. There's so much more, right? Like I'm divorced, I'm a dog mom to a golden retriever who's living here passed out. Um, I am gonna be 40 in May. Um, and all I really want is to share my life with somebody. I'm starting back therapy today, you know, actually right after this interview to really work on my own intimacy issues, um, you know, allowing partners, a partner into my life. So there's just so much to me, right? It's just really on any given day, who, who do I choose to be? Every day is a choice. What I have loved in getting to know you and being a part of your Real Rich community has been your openness your generosity to share all of your parts and for the way that you inspire people to celebrate all parts of themselves, even the parts that we don't always enjoy seeing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts around when you think about all of the work that you've done on all of your parts, when you talk with women, what comes up around how not being so proud about certain parts of us do you find that that holds women back? Whether it being to be outspoken or to show up in ways that scare them. Do you think that there's a connection there? Yeah, so I like to say, I'm, I'm very lucky and grateful. I, I attract the smartest of the smartest women. And I don't just mean like on paper, I attract very smart women, you're one of them. Um, every single woman that I have worked with is so smart. And I'm not just talking about book smart actually. Um, just so in tune and have a, such a heightened sense of self-awareness. I think when you're that self-aware, you can shoot yourself in the foot sometimes because you logically know the answer, but the fears that the women that I have, that I work with are so emotional that they try to intellectualize their emotional pain. And then they get mad at themselves that they're not doing the thing that they're most afraid of doing because they told themselves, oh, it should be easy. I'm smart enough. Why can't I do X, Y, Z thing, right? So the, the, the common thread that I see is that there's like a lot of logic being used to deal with emotional pain. Um, and it just doesn't work that way. I think we got to use both. I think we got to use our logic. But if you're just operating from the neck up all the time and you're ignoring the feelings and the emotions that your body is trying to like wake you up to pay attention to and if you're just operating in your head all the time you're going to really miss out on such like so many layers of you um so that's the number one thing that i really see is that there's this there's this arrogance and i'm not and by the way i want everyone hearing this i'm not calling my clients arrogant if i'm calling my clients arrogant i'm calling myself just as arrogant if, okay if i'm calling my clients have saying that they have huge, huge egos i have just as huge of an ego is why I'm able to help them, right? It's this ego and it's this pride because from a very young age, the women that I that I work with, and I'm saying this about myself too, so I want everyone to hear this, okay? I would never uh, talk down to the, about the people that I work with. But from a young age, we have primed ourselves to be the solution to everyone's problems. We have primed ourselves to be the therapist in the family, to be the, to, to be the teacher in the family, to be the one that keeps everything all you know, moving smoothly. And so we've taken on this responsibility to be the one for everybody. And so in doing that, we have really tuned in and asked ourselves, well, what the fuck do I want? What do I want? Because it's always about everybody else. It's always about making sure mom's happy, dad's happy, partner's happy, 
siblings are happy, but it's like, what do I want? And so there's a disconnection from ourself. But what happens is we have become accomplished in these other areas of our life, so we've overworked, we're, we've become successful, and then we got this little sliver of us that's like nagging at us, which is, I'm not confident to get on camera. I'm not uh, direct. I water myself down. I, I water down my words. And we're like, wait, but why can't I figure that out, right? If I can figure out all of this, why can't I figure this out? But it's like, you're trying to solve a problem that is so deeply embedded in your, in your emotional body. You just can't, you, like you can't standardize test tape that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That is like, you gotta feel that. You gotta feel it and you have to allow yourself to crumble a little bit. And I want to take it a step further because I love what you say, how, how we're trying to apply logic to something that's so deeply nuanced and emotional. And you know my work and, and where I have been in the, over the course of my career working in gender equality and women's empowerment. And I would take it a step further to say we are, as women across the world, socially conditioned to believe that we need to be the caretakers, to be anticipating other people's needs. And there's a, a, a statistic that I reference all the time that I don't know if you've heard me talk about, but studies have shown that a girl's confidence peaks at age nine. And the research that shows the literal plummet of that confidence year after year after year follows us well into adulthood. And so I'm sitting here listening to you because you are you know, I'm going to, you know, the go-to expert on confidence, visibility, you've spent so many years in television. I, people know this obsession that I have with reality TV. Okay. You were, you've been on TV, you've been on VH1. Um, you know how you, you show up in these spaces, but I'm curious what, what was Vasavi like at nine and has this confidence been a part of your story or has it been a journey? I know that was a really long question, but... Well, I'm thinking no one's ever asked me that. Um, so where was I at nine? I was a, a, a very emotionally disturbed and angry child at nine. I threw a lot of temper tantrums. I hit myself. I used to hit myself when I was nine. I felt very unheard, very unseen. There was a lot of chaos in my house, which I didn't feel like I had any control over. And so what I used to do to... Um, what I would do so that my parents would stop fighting is that I would throw a tantrum. So the way that I learned to deal with chaos was that I became the source of chaos so that my parents would stop fighting and then they would just focus on me. So I became what I hated. I, I didn't like the chaos, so I just became chaotic. It was a way to deflect the attention onto me. Um, and what I like to say is, you know, from a young age, it's interesting. I really have not truly struggled with getting on camera and being confident. I think I, to an extent, didn't want to show people the fullness of who I was and how passionate I am and how alive I am. And I'm actually a very joyful person. I wake up happy. Like I, I don't know. I'm going to say that again. I don't wake up happy. I actually wake up anxious, but I've learned how to soothe myself. I pray to God first thing in the morning, but I, I wake up with a very good outlook in, uh, in life. Uh, not really so much during my addiction. I was obviously very, feeling very hopeless and powerless, but I feel good about life. I, I do. I, I believe in myself. I know that all good things are there for me, and so it shall be. But I think the one area of my life that the nine-year-old still struggles with in me, which is what I'm getting help for, is in my intimate relationships. 
in my romantic partnerships. I don't have any issues with friendships. I attract all female clients. I love all my clients that I work with. Um, I don't have issues with my friendships. I have great friendships. I don't have a lot of friendships, but I have a few and they're wonderful. Um, but I think that nine-year-old really struggled with like letting people in, especially like of, of, of the opposite sex into her romantic life. That's the one area that I've always struggled with, 100%. I, it's, I, 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 I still don't know. I don't know and I'm getting help for it. That's where I'm at today. I appreciate you sharing that because it's, like I said, you're, you're so generous with things that you're dealing with in real time letting people in, letting people see the realness. And I think that is what attracts people so much to you. And in this moment, I'm just thinking about what allows you with this incredible background in coaching, in the way that you have been featured on so many media outlets. What are they, VH1? Where else have you been featured? VH1, Wall Street Journal, Fox, CW, NBC. Uh, like helping to pose my body green right a lot of so, podcasts a lot, lot of a lot of pretty well-known entrepreneurial and mindset podcasts yeah so both tv other media formats print web radio mm -hmm. i've interviewed new york times best-selling authors if we're going to toot my own horn you know uh, toot it toot toot <laughs> uh don miguel ruiz author of the four agreements interviewed him john gray author of men are from mars women are from venus neil donald walsh who wrote conversations with god sonia Choquette, new york times best-selling author of um your sixth sense, you know, finding your intuition. Yeah, a lot of a lot of amazing people. I've, I've and I've reached out to all of them to be my be a guest on my show. Yeah, and that's that's my question: the ability to step into the scary shit, making the big asks, has to come from this unwavering ability to trust yourself. Would you Would you agree? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I was going to answer, but I don't think you need to ask the question. Well, th Sorry. That's, 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 part, that's the part of the question. Do you agree that making those huge asks, the way that you've gotten to show up and, and create opportunities for yourself, do you think that that has everything to do with having this unwavering self-trust? Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. So talk to us maybe then about, does that show up differently in intimate relationships? Yeah, I think the, 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 the story that I tell myself, the self-talk that I have, when I reach out to a New York Times bestselling author is, we're going to have a great time. I'm amazing. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm in control of this. I'm controlling the conversation. I'm reaching out to you. So it's like I'm, I'm controlling whether or not I'm being rejected. I'm not saying that right. What I mean by that is it's like I'm so deeply rooted in who I am and what I'm meant to do on this earth for others that is unwavering for me. That is, there is like, there's no question. So I don't, I'm okay making a fool of myself. I'm okay being told no or, or yeah, or, you know, yes is great, you know, but I'm okay with being told no because I'm so solid in what I'm meant to do and who I'm meant to be on this earth. Where I waver is, am I worthy of love mm. from a romantic partner? Mm. I'm very, very clear that like I am here to help others. Like that is, that has never been a question. Um, you know, it was a question when I was, you know, feeling like shit and in my addiction. And I'm like, am I? But that was also because I was dopamine deficient, doing way too much cocaine. That was drug induced. I always even knew, even in like the darkest days of my addiction, that I am, I'm going to get out of this. Shit or shinola, I will get out of this. I, I checked myself into rehab not once or twice. Like who I am and who I be and what I do for 
people is very different than me believing that I am worthy of love in my romantic life. Mm. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. I appreciate you going there and sharing it because I think it, I know that it's going to help others listening to this. And I think for high functioning, you know, ambitious women out there, a lot of times I think the story that we tell ourselves, I'm included in this, is that I should be able to figure this out. I've done all of this in my life. Why can't I figure this one part? And it, I'm not necessarily saying it always has to be the relationship piece. It might be dealing with previous trauma, emotional pain. Why can't I just do this? Why can't I just get it? And I think that there's an experience of this spiral of shame and beat up that, that gets pretty comfortable to stay if you want to. And it's, it's, it actually requires more work and more effort to pull yourself out of it. Do you agree? Yeah. And I just was thinking about this, as you said, to see, I had a model of success growing up. Both mm. my parents were very successful. My parents came here with what, like $7, you know, typical immigrant story. They worked their asses off. They both were in private practice. I never worried about money a day in my life. It, my college was paid for, my master's was paid for, my wedding was paid for. I had a model for success. And there was like no doubt I was going to be successful. There's no such thing as like, I'm not going to be successful. It's like, no. My mom said to me, it would be a damn shame if you're broke. Like my mom would say, there's no way with everything we've given you, you're ever going to be broke. And that's always been like, I, I'm never going to be broke. I know that. I'm never, I'm, I'm only going to keep getting richer. And I know that. Because I had that. I, I had that model. And, I, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I, cause that's the thing that's always kept me solid. Like at least I always have my work and I don't mean in a workaholic way. It's like, it's always because of that. I, I always focus so much on work. And when I say work, I mean purpose. Like what is my purpose? Right? So my mom was a cardiologist. She loved what she did. She loved her patients. My dad is a CPA. I mean, I mean right now my dad is not doing so well, but he has, and he's retired, but he has patients who, I'm sorry, he has clients of his that FaceTime him to check in with him. That's how deeply ingrained my dad was with his clients. Like they're like friends and family. They love my father. The way people talk about my father is just like, makes me want to cry. Like my dad's a good man. And so I wanted that growing up. I wanted, I remember when I was seven years old and I'd go hang out with my dad at his office. You know, get a nice office and get people working for him and he would just be on the phone laughing. And I said, I want to make money being on the phone. So I saw that. I had that as a model for success. Freedom, when time, we got to go on many vacations, you know, and, and my mom would take off her practice, close her practice, have another doctor cover her. We'd go to India for three months. So I saw time, flexibility. I saw freedom growing up. I saw an abundance of money, anything we wanted. We were not spoiled though. My mother would never give me $20 to go get a manicure, but she'd spend a hundred thousand on my masters. That's how my mother was, right? So I, I, I kind of take it on that as well. I'm, I'm pretty frugal, but I also treat myself. So I have both my parents and I have both parents as, you know, and I, they have different money mindsets, but I found my own, you know, how I want to invest in myself. Anyway, I didn't have a good model for uh, intimacy though. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of push and pull. My mom always being the pursuer, my dad being the distancer. You know, the more my mom would yell, the more my mom would, um, uh, my dad would withdraw. So I didn't have a good model for love. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I mean, I didn't have a good model. I had a model and the model was, you know, control and withdrawing and yelling and manipulation and that's what i've attracted in some ways i've become i'm both my mother and father right i have an explosive temper like my mother that i've had to work on and uh, i yeah i've had to work a lot on my anger and emotional regulation 
I don't really like anyone to ever have that much control over my emotion anymore. So I found a lot of good outlets for my energy and exit and anxiety. In that way, I was like my mother. In a lot of ways, I was like my, I'm like my dad because my dad's a little bit of a pushover. And I've let men who don't really deserve me and I, I just give them way too much access to me. So I'm both my mother and my father in that way. I love them both, but they, they didn't know shit about shit, you know? Um, but especially when it came to love. So I'm just trying to find, you know, and I grew up, I grew up with the messaging of my dad saying all men are dogs. And I grew up with the messaging from my mom saying, you come into this world alone, you die alone, you don't need anybody. So what do you end up attracting then? You end up, you know, dating men that are not on your level, that you feel sorry for and that you need to fix and have as projects. Um, and then you get angry with them that they don't give you what you want and then you become explosive. And then you say sorry and then they come back to you and you have, you know, you attract men with low self-esteem. I myself have low self-esteem when it comes to relationships and feelings of unworthiness. And as much as I like to say the men that I date are emotionally unavailable, I'm emotionally unavailable too. That's what I'm working on. Oh my God. I just, I, I'm speechless in this moment because <laughs> I just took all of that in and I, I just know that this conversation, the realness that you bring to your story, Vasavi, and how you share it and how you are able to show up for people in such a huge way and also acknowledge, if we go back to the beginning of this conversation, all of your parts, it's what allows people to feel safe in your presence. But I think the deserving piece, the worthiness piece, the, the, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, the, the ability to let people in and really see you is sort of the opposite of this conversation of like, what is holding women back from being seen? I think on some level, the answer to that question is sometimes it's us because we don't want to be seen. We We just want to know the truth. We say we want the truth, but we don't want to know the truth because it's painful. So when you can, when you can allow that truth in with yourself or through the guidance of somebody else, it, it, it just, it's, it's painful, but it's refreshing because it's yeah. like, oh, yay, I'm not living in fantasy land right. anymore. Right. And I am the problem, right? Like there's so much power in saying I am the problem. I keep attracting the same type of men over and over. That's not that guy's fault. I mean, he is who he is. Why do I keep being drawn to men who have intimacy issues and are emotionally unavailable? Oh, because guess what? Actually, deep down, I don't want anyone to get, ever get too close to me either. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this at length about, you know, I think what for anyone out there who's listening, who's, who's on this crazy entrepreneurship journey and trying to navigate, you know, dealing with relationships. I mean, there's again, all of these different parts of ourselves and what we're allowing in and what we're showing up for, um, it, all of this, I mean, am I crazy? I'm seeing the connection across all of it. (laughs) It really is so connected, but I think something that you've really helped me with is being able to name something, to call it out, call yourself out at times and recognize where you might be being the block. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious what you shared around having this model through, you know, what success was going to look like and maybe not having the model, but a model from your parents around relationships. Um, what advice would you give to people listening who don't have the blueprint, who don't have the roadmap to what they're reaching for? That might be starting their own business. That might be, um, 
trying to manifest the relationship. It might be figuring out where your path is. What advice would you give to women listening, people listening who don't have the blueprint? Okay, this is such a good question. I would first thought in my head is to create your own blueprint. That's number one. So in the area of my business, I've been very lucky to work with really great mentors, be a part of masterminds, constantly learn and implement. Please stop just doing a bunch of like consuming and not doing anything with it. So like actually reach out to people who are doing what you want to be friend. Don't know where to begin. Start researching. Look at people who have what you want and start taking what you like. Take what you want, leave the rest. Um, in the areas of love, Adina, uh, I don't know if I shared this with you actually. I made a, I made a dream. So for me, with love, I made a print for what I want. But you know what? I have data. I have a marriage that didn't work. I have another relationship that I had that didn't work with a narcissist. I have another relationship, a failed engagement that worked. And I know now what I want because of that data. I have three relationships that haven't worked. And so instead of boohooing about those relationships that didn't work, which trust me, I've done plenty of wallowing in self-pity, I can now use that as data to come up with what I do want. So I'm just gonna read like a few points, okay? Like I'm just- Oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. I have a dream men list. Okay, Drop it so on us. First one, I have 51 things. I am not gonna read all 51. So the first one is initiates making plans. That is huge for me. Initiates making plans. Um, another one that I have is, oh wait, hugs and kisses me while I'm cooking. That's huge for me because I'm cooking for you, goddammit. That is my love language is to cook for you. And you better give me a hug and a kiss while I'm cooking. Um, has a relationship with a higher power. Um, I'm gonna give you two more is, um, has an abundant money mindset because guess what? I like expensive shit and I'm not going to be with someone who's like, no, we can't afford that. Like, no, that's not, I want someone who's like, yeah, we're going to find a way to make that happen. Um, and another one is, uh, doesn't ever want to go to bed angry. Mm. So based on what I saw growing up, based on the relationships that I've had that did not work. And by the way, the men that I have been with, Ashish, Dario and Ben, Ashish is my husband. He was the first love of my life. Then Dario was Dario. <laughs> We used a lot of drugs together. We had amazing sex. Um, I actually saw this meme the other day. Like, I want the emotional aspect of a healthy relationship and the sex life of my toxic one. And that's really how I feel. Because the sex with my toxic ex was like, I mean, it was fucking, I, I mean, I, I don't have words. I just have quivers right now. I have pussy tingles. Like, that's how I feel. I had my first orgasm at the age of 33 with this guy. It was great. Anyway, uh, that would be an amazing relationship. But I just, I mean, all of them in their own way, like I could say that they're horrible men and they're bad, but they're not. They're just men who are the nice guys or the they're either really nice people pleasing or they're extremely self-absorbed and narcissistic. And I'm just, you know, they're all mirrors of me, you know? And all I want is, I want someone like me. I'm not willing, I'm not gonna put anything on like a burn. Well, one of those 51 things that I have, I would do. And I do, you know, my relationships. And that's why I want that back. So I, I actually showed that list to my mother. She goes, you'd be lucky to find 10. And I'm just like, you're just jaded. <laughs> I... And I go, I go, wait a minute. I said to her, I said to my mother, I am all of those 51 things. So if I am all of those 51 things, why can't I have... That, and that just shows where my mother's at, you know, bless her heart. But I'm not here, but together, love, 
success, it's all tied with what you believe you're worth receiving. Um, and I'm sure that my obstacles in, in, with intimacy directly affect my business and my self-expression, but not really. I mean, this, my business and my ability to self-express and create is just the one area where I feel completely unleashed. Nobody, nobody can take that from me. It's all me. And I love that. I love that. That's, it's just me, you know? I'm, I am the creator of my own success. I'm the creator of my own failures. And that, that gives me a sense of control that I maybe have not felt in other areas of my life. Mm. I just want to summarize that incredible point here because I think it's really important that the listeners leave with it is that when you don't have a blueprint, I think it doesn't need to be the reason that you don't go after the thing. I think you have so beautifully painted how you can, you can collect data, you can go within and figure out what the blueprint is actually going to look like based off of what hasn't worked or what you don't like in terms of what you've seen. And I think so often, and I'm going to put it out there again, as women, we often look for the reasons to count ourselves out before we even give it a try. And one of the singular like reasons that I hear over and over and over is like, but I don't know how to do it, but I don't have the roadmap, create it. And that comes with permission. And so it's all tied from my vantage point of if you're allowing yourself the permission, you're a few steps away from allowing yourself to feel fully expressed. So, um, this has been such an incredible conversation, Vasavi. I'm so grateful. I'm going to, I'm going to close here with the question I ask all of my guests, which is the name of this podcast is embracing enough. And I'm always curious what it means to folks. So what does embracing enough mean to you? I'm thinking for me, embracing enough is like, trusting and not just like knowing it intellectually but like truly believing it with every fiber of my being that who i am right now in this moment is is enough not even more than enough is enough to have the love that i want the money that i want the health that i want the the success that i want the happiness that i want like i don't need to do more but i will say this and i know people may not want to hear it is in order for you to have more, you, it, it's going to require you to be more of yourself. I didn't say do more. I said, be more of yourself. So whether that's believing more in yourself or believing in your enoughness, like being more of who you are, raising that vibration and that energy to attract more of what you want, you are going to have to start being more of you to attract the more that you want from outside of you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel like nothing more needs to be said after that. Boop. Bye. Gems dropped. Mic dropped. Um, how can people get in touch with you? What, what are you working on right now that's connected to this whole conversation around confidence and visibility? Absolutely. So if you want uh, more content on ca camera confidence, self-expression, always first go to my Instagram. I know I should be sending you to my website. I'll tell you that too. My Instagram handle is my name is Vasavi. Uh, my website is vasavikumar.com. You can find everything there. I'm actually opening up applications for my camera confident mastermind, which is kicking off in October. So I'm accepting applications now. I, I'll give you the link that you can put it in the show notes. And yeah, that's that. You can always feel free to reach out to me. 
Thank you so much, Vasavi. And we can't wait to see more of you and all of the people that you get to help feel more seen and fully expressed. Thank you. Hey friend, thanks for listening. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there. So the fact that you check in with this conversation means the absolute world to me. So I hope that you will join us each week, every Thursday when a new episode drops, because really we're just here having a conversation, looking for new ways to test out how to show up as our confident, badass selves. Because when you think about it, it's all one big experiment, right? Your life can be the lab. You get to find your answer and what feels good for you. If you walk away from this podcast with one thing, let it be you feeling inspired. Inspired to take bold, empowered action on the things that really matter to you. So check the show notes and learn how you can stay more connected with all of the exciting things that Enough Labs is doing. And be sure to rate and review this podcast. You know I live for feedback. Because this podcast is just one of the many experiments that I am having a blast trying out with. And I'm just here to continue to remind you every week to never stop embracing how enough you already are. Thank you.